This is The Guardian. Gegenseitiger Respekt ist die Basis für ein gutes Gespräch. Im Netz ist das alles andere als selbstverständlich. Und woher zur Hölle willst du das wissen? So eine vorlotte Bitch wie dich sollte man an den Herd fesseln, dir dein Handy wegnehmen und... und wir feiern dich dafür, dass du dich als Frau nicht unterkriegen lässt. Keine Angst, du bist hier nicht allein. Wir alle entscheiden, ob wir das Netz dem Hass überlassen. Werde Teil der Telekom-Initiative gegen Hass im Netz und setze ein Zeichen. Telekom. I turned up in Osijek, I guess, maybe 10 o'clock on a weekday evening, having just sat on a train from Zagreb that was baking, like really horrendous heat. That's Ajit Naranjan. He's the Guardian's new Europe environment correspondent. And he's been investigating a troubling anomaly in Croatia and getting hot in the process. The air conditioner hadn't worked properly and so I was in a carriage of people just sweating buckets. On the surface, Osijek isn't any different to other Mediterranean cities. It's a nice, pretty eastern Croatian city. It's in the Slavonia region, very near the border with Serbia. It's very agricultural. Lots of buildings built in the Austro-Hungarian Empire times. So it's um, a very charming little place to go visit. I mean, for a city break, uh, I could absolutely recommend it. But there is one thing that distinguishes Osijek. One of the studies I came across tried to work out how much heat had really silently been killing people over the last two decades. And these scientists had kind of managed to also find a particular location that was the worst affected, but it didn't know it. And what I kind of found was that everyone I was speaking to kept giving me more factors that would indicate that this city shouldn't be that badly hit. Untangling this mystery could help countries across Europe save lives as the climate heats up. And it's just one of the fascinating environment stories unfolding on the continent. So today, as The Guardian launches a brand new European digital edition, we're getting a taste of the reporting we can expect in the months to come. I'm The Guardian's science editor, Ian Sample, and this is Science Weekly. First of all, Ajit, welcome. How's it been going so far? Yeah, it's uh, been going well. It's been very busy. I'm two months into the job and reporting from seven different countries. And I think I realized last month just how big Europe really is and how many different stories there are to tell. You've really hit the ground running at The Guardian. I mean, you've been traveling all around Europe, meeting people who've been impacted by the climate crisis for the launch of the new Europe edition. One of these trips took you to Croatia. Tell me about that. Yeah, so. Last month, there were really, and in July as well, there were really horrific heat waves in Europe. And I think on my second week of, in the job, this was basically the only thing I was writing about. And there were big studies coming out talking about the extreme death toll that last year across Europe, we had more than 60,000 heat-related deaths over the space of a few months. That's a huge number. And one study was trying to work out how much heat and cold kill people across Europe over the last 20 years. So these scientists came up with an epidemiological model. They put into it some mortality data, they put in temperature data, and they use it to kind of estimate 
how much people are dying based on the age profiles in different cities and other things, how much people are dying from extreme temperatures. And so what they found was that of these 854 cities they looked at, the highest excess heat mortality after controlling for age and everything was in this city called Osijek in the east of Croatia. And more generally, Croatia had the highest heat mortality of the countries in Europe. So I went basically to the country with the highest heat mortality and within that managed to go to the city that's been hit hardest over the last 20 years. So when you turn up in a place like this as a journalist looking at this particular story, you're going to be thinking of a bunch of things that will need to be investigated around why these excess heat deaths are happening. What sorts of things were on your mind that you wanted to find out about? So when I'd spoken to researchers in Zagreb, they'd been a bit surprised that Osijek came out so badly in this analysis. Osijek's a bit hotter than the capital, Zagreb, but it's not quite as hot as some of the coastal cities. They have slightly higher temperatures. It's quite a green place. There's, there's a river flowing nearby. The river uh, Drava flows through Osijek and turns into the Danube just 20 kilometers, I think, further downstream. There's loads of parks. It's very pretty. It's nice. There's green spaces to relax in. People go to this little riverside beach to get away from the heat. On top of that, locals I chatted to said the healthcare system was pretty standard for Croatia. And I mean, a couple of medical professionals also backed up that, that perspective. So there were lots of things that I was hearing that made me think, well, okay, I mean, it doesn't seem like it really should be so bad. So when you're talking to people, they're coming out with these reasons why Osijek is actually not that bad. They've got decent healthcare. There's a lot of greenery around. There's water around. It's not an especially old population who may be more vulnerable. But what other explanations were people offering up for all these deaths? So one interesting thing is that even though there is a lot of water around Osijek, it's very slow moving. So you have this enormous wetland. I think it is Europe's largest wetland, if not one of the largest. And that adds to the humidity. And when you've got high humidity, then the heat that you feel can be much greater. When I spoke to one of the researchers yesterday, though, he, he said it was definitely plausible, but did caution that when they've kind of run humidity in their epidemiological models, they don't see a huge difference. The second thing a doctor put forward to me was that Surprisingly, the diet in Croatia, in Eastern Croatia particularly, could play a role in making heat mortality worse. In the coastal parts of Croatia, people are eating this traditional Mediterranean diet, which broadly is seen as a very healthy way of living. And in Osijek, if you turn up in a restaurant, it's uh, very Central European, very fatty, very meaty, very heavy on potatoes and other carbs and stuff like that. There's a lot of cardiovascular disease. And so that means that if you've already got people with these high levels of disease and uh, health problems, when you get a heat wave, they're the ones who are least able to cope. And so you end up with a lot more people dying who already have these illnesses. But the other side of that exact same problem that's completely not related to the diet is that Osijek went through a horrendous war. So, I mean, when, when Croatia broke off and separated from what used to be Yugoslavia, 
Osijek was one of these border cities right on the edge near Serbia that really suffered. And it was shocking that really everyone I was interviewing, everyone I was speaking to, had some sort of history of this, whether it was an epidemiologist who said that, yeah, when she was 13, she had to flee Osijek. She moved to Austria. Her parents put her on a bus. They didn't know where she was going to end up. Or a biologist who told me that he was a student at the time and he stayed through the shelling and worked as a a journalist, basically, reporting on what was going on. One thing that they told me that really stuck in my mind is that a lot of this stuff could still have health consequences down the line. So there was a study, I think, that came out not too long ago that found that in they looked at Vietnam War survivors and found that there was an association between exposure to kind of the worst bits of war and cardiovascular disease later on in life. Now, again, this isn't something to scientists aren't pouncing on these sorts of studies and saying, hey, this one-to-one proves that, that this is a factor. But they think that it could definitely play a role, that if in one particular city there was such an increased exposure to highly stressful, highly traumatic events, that that could be reflected in the higher cardiovascular disease even decades down the line. I can't help wondering, Ajit, as you're walking around Osijek and you're on the phone and talking to people about it being this heat death hotspot, whether the locals are actually aware of that, because it's it's not sort of obvious that they would be. Yeah, some people were definitely surprised. I think the fact that it was such a ferocious heat wave during the time that I was there meant that people were understanding that it was a big issue. I think it was just maybe a lack of awareness of how bad the situation really is in Osijek. Over two of the three days that I was there, the temperatures were hitting 37, 38 degrees Celsius. And you still had big noontime crowds milling about in the main square. There were people who had to be outside for work, obviously, were still doing that. So delivery, food delivery drivers cycling around the city and stuff. It's interesting that you're saying that in Osijek, you were still finding, as you say, really big gatherings around peak heat mm-hmm. in, in the in the you know in, in, in the city centre, which suggests maybe the people there maybe aren't doing uh, haven't sort of adapted and, and got these behavioural habits to keep out of the heat when it's at its at its extreme. Exactly, and this was one of the suggestions that a scientist made to me of kind of why Croatia might generally be so hard hit by heat that. There isn't necessarily the same Southern European culture that plans its day around the heat. So it's not that people are taking siestas or anything. The shops are open in very standard times that you'd expect in Austria or Germany or somewhere. As you were going around Osijek and and, and, and talking to people more broadly in Croatia, did you get a sense that they're going to do something about this, that look, it's something we should try and understand more or do something about, or whether that was either in Osijek itself or, or in the capital in down in Zagreb? Yeah, when I was in both cities, I would say that there was firstly an awareness of, okay, this is a problem that we need to tackle. But a lot of people I spoke to said that that awareness had kind of been growing anyway, that maybe this might be a bit of a turning point because it, as you said, does give it this label of being the, the heat death hotspot of Europe. Generally, I mean, Croatia has been taking some actions in terms of heat health action plans that are being developed. The medical community seems to have at least somewhat of a good grasp on this and is trying to push it into 
kind of the broader picture. But in terms of kind of concrete policies, it's really not there yet. And I think one of the maybe interesting aspects of that is that I, I asked a lot of the experts I talked to, like, hey, is there anything on this in Croatian media? Like, I obviously looked before going out there, and I didn't see anything written about this in English language media, but I was kind of surprised that there wasn't anything to be found about OCX heat death exposure in Croatian media either. And so that was, a, that was the uh, point that a couple of the doctors made, like maybe now is the turning point. I'm wondering whether you think, you know, this is going to be perhaps a, a case study that will have broader relevance across Europe in, in the, you know, the, the decades ahead as, as we start to have a, having to deal with climate change, uh, global heating on our, on our doorstep all the more. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about the idea that the kind of surprise factor, the fact that this isn't something that was known until this study came out and I say that with the caveat that still a lot more research does need to be done on this and to really quantify how bad things are in Osseo. But the idea that a city can have that much hidden death happening and just not really be aware of it, I mean, that, that's not unique to Osseo, right? There's all sorts of environmental killers. So after leaving Osseok, I went to Belgrade for a few days and then also to Skopje, uh, so in Serbia and North Macedonia, respectively. And these are two of the cities, uh, New Guardian analysis has just found, that have the worst air pollution measured in fine particulates uh, across the continent. And you have governments who are not really doing nearly enough about it and a population that maybe isn't super aware of how badly this is hurting their health and so i think yeah the the overall takeaway is that a lot of cities in europe a lot of countries are going to have these sorts of reckoning moments where they have to really take stock of how bad are the problems that we've maybe been ignoring in the past and what are we actually going to do about it i'm not sure you've you've made the case agit for how glamorous the european environment correspondent job is because when you read that job title you think you're going to be traveling around the Italian Riviera. You'll be on the coast of the Mediterranean. You'll be up in the Alps looking at how their glaciers are melting. And you're going from horrific heat hotspot to horrific heat hotspot. And then on from there to some of the most polluted places in Europe. Um, is this what you dreamed about? <laughs> um, I was chatting about this with my girlfriend a couple of weeks ago. And I had the idea that, you know, what would be really nice would be to do a story about how the Mediterranean diet is being affected by climate change, where I could just jump around Italy and Portugal and Spain and Greece eating olives and visiting vineyards. And uh, I mean, it would still be bleak, of course, but uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully slightly tastier. Ajit, thanks for coming on, just talking us through all this and, and good luck. There's, there's a lot to be written, right? Yeah, exactly. Thanks very much for taking the time, Ian. It was really a pleasure. Thanks again to Ajit Naranjan. You can find more of Ajit's reporting on The Guardian's new Europe edition at theguardian.com forward slash Europe. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Madeline Finlay and Eli Block. The sound designer was Joel Cox. And the executive producer was Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. Hold up. 
Hello, I'm Grace Dent. I'm back and I've been busy. My new book, Comfort Eating, which is based on our award-winning podcast, is out now. You can get hold of it at guardianbookshop.com. And from Tuesday, the podcast is returning for its next season with an exciting lineup including Shirley Ballas, Bridget Christie, Jamie Demetrio, and many more. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to join me on Book Tour, I'll be in London on the 9th of October and in Manchester on the 11th talking about my go-to comfort foods and a lot more. Get your tickets today from membership.theguardian.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. This is The Guardian.